Hello, listeners. Jinx Monsoon here, and welcome to today's episode of Hi, Jinx. Our guest today is not only my husband's doppelganger, but he's also a actor, writer, queer icon, and one hell of a singer. It's Chris Colfer. We talk about our relationships to our grandmothers, the pressures of being a queer icon early in the days of yore, and what it's like to work with Jennifer Saunders. So enjoy today's episode with all my love. Forever. Dog. everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to my podcast, Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people and ask them how they became who they are and how they do what they do so well. Today, I am joined by a wonderful friend, an amazing entertainer, and an accomplished author, the one and only... Chris Colfer. Hello, Chris. Hi, drinks on high drinks. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. You knew it, you knew what to do. Uh, <laughs> it's a pun, you see, Chris. <laughs> a pun. Oh, yes, yes. I love puns. Now, let's start. Um, you and I met, uh, I don't remember the year. I was still drinking then. 1975. But, um, <laughs> would you care to tell the story of the night we first met? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I believe it was at uh, Katya's funeral slash birthday party. Yes. Um, in some very strange location downtown. Um, it's where, <laughs> I, where, it's where, where I tend to meet most of my friends. Yes. Um, and uh, I uh, was was coming through the, the backstage entrance and you were there with a couple of friends and we hung out that night and have been in love ever since. Yeah. So you heard it here first, everyone. We met at Katya's funeral. Um, Chris came in the back entrance, stumbled into me. <laughs> yep. And I I told you um, that that was the one of the weirdest. Um, it, I met you moments after one of my weirdest interactions um, ever at a party where right. um, two people came up to me and introduced themselves. And I said, hi, nice to meet you. And and the daddy of the two turns to the twink and said, see, she doesn't remember you. And then from that moment on, they refused to speak to me anymore, but they just kept looking at me and whispering, but they were only a foot away from me. And I continued to try to engage them in conversation and they continued to pretend I wasn't there. And I'll never know. I'll never know why I was supposed to... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> recognize that twink. But <laughs> are you sure that maybe that's like their thing? Like that's what they, they they do that to a lot of people. Like they've never met all these these celebrities where they go up to them and and and, and do that routine. Like and they they go home and laugh about it. Maybe they're that type of couple. Maybe maybe that's their kink, and I don't want to kink shame them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, definitely it was um, it was strange, and it's never happened again. But it does stick out to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I told you, there's this weird um, live um, rent free in your brain. Yeah, I um, 
I'm so glad that we've spent time with each other since then. So that's not my one and only <laughs> memory of you. And of course, we have to get it out of the way. People talk about it every time I post a picture with my spouse, Michael. Um, it's the ongoing joke. Is that Chris Colfer? <laughs> you and my spouse bear a striking resemblance. Striking. Uh, <laughs> and... It- it cannot be denied. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of one of my my uh, 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 walking stress dreams uh, uh, when, when people when when not 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 Michael in particular, but when people text me or message me and say, "Oh my God, you have to see this picture of this person. They look just like you." You know, like sometimes <laughs> I open it up and I just cry because I think, "Wow, that's what I look like to that you know to that person." But when you did it, I I, I opened the, the 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 picture and and I was like, "Oh my God, he he literally could could be." <laughs> And in fact, when you when you post pictures of him on Instagram and I and I, I, I glance at them and, and before my brain has time to actually process what my eyes are looking at, sometimes I think it's me. And I'm like, what am I what am I doing? What? Oh, no, that's 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 Michael. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's striking. We should um, we should do some sort of um, we can swap you and Michael and do a photo series of swapping you in and out um, <laughs> and see if people can tell the difference. Um, but I can tell the difference. You know, when you know twins well enough, you can tell them apart. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the accent, too, probably probably sets us apart. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is pretty good at American accents. I'm, oh, I'm really? not going to lie. He's better at American accents, I think, than I am at British accents. I mean, true yeah. British accents. I can do what every American actor thinks is a British accent. Right, right, right. <laughs> we may never know. <laughs> if only there was someone we could ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the world met you first on the show Glee, um, which premiered in 2009. And you won a Golden Globe in 2011. Now, in 2009, that's so far back. I don't know if you have any memories from back then, but I don't believe that social media was what it is today back then. No, no, Twitter wasn't even invented until I think like 2010, I think. (laughs) By Edison. By (laughs) (laughs) Edison. It's what Tesla left us. (laughs) Um, So, you didn't have to deal with the social media aspect of celebrity in the beginning, did you? I I, I didn't. Um, uh, you know, there was still like there was still Facebook and there was still yeah. MySpace and um, uh, MySpace. There, there, there were plenty of there are plenty of opportunities for the um, for the uh, uh, homophobes and the cyberbullies <laughs> to find me. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but um, uh, no, I mean there there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok or Snapchat or or, or any of that, so it hadn't quite hadn't quite uh, boomed yet. Thank God. <laughs> how how do you feel about your relationship to social media today? Do you enjoy um, maintaining a, a social media presence, or is it something that you just accept as a necessary evil in the industry? <laughs> Definitely the latter. Um, I... <laughs> I I'm such an introvert that I um uh, I, I probably would not be on it if I if I didn't have uh, things to promote and you know books to sell and yeah. and and whatnot. Um, uh, however, I do enjoy uh, being on it and watching other people's lives. I, I do oh, I yes. do I do like being um, I, I do like being a, a, an observer. And some people, well, I don't know. Sometimes I, I've lost such respect for a lot of people because of the, <laughs> the social media. Um, and punctuation is a really is a is a real sticking point for me. Mm-hmm. Like if someone has bad punctuation or they use the wrong there, I think I um, I judge them 
um, an inappropriate amount. I think that's something we've been conditioned to do. You know, there's lots of backstories and lots of reasons why people will, um, you know, not have the same standards for grammar. Um, <laughs> right. But I, I, I do think, you know, it's it, for me, what's interesting is Internet language is a completely different language. Absolutely. And I feel like I need a translator um, half the time. <laughs> I work with a um, a new videographer who's like 19 years old and, mm. he, you know, the fresh up and coming queer videographers of the world. And uh, he's, I feel like all the videographers are 19. I, I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard of a videographer that was, that was, that was over 20. <laughs> it's, it's a, stip, it's a caveat. It's a stipulation. <laughs> um, but uh, he's constantly having to translate internet slang for me and, um, um, explain to me how my jokes will read um it's actually a perfect marriage you know (laughs) yeah um i want to know what what kind of pressures did you feel being one of um one of our early examples of lgbtq plus characters on television and you were also you know very young at the time so you know you're probably still discovering who you are as a person at the Mm -hmm. same time that you're kind of becoming a figurehead for Mm -hmm. the community. Um, How, how did that feel while it was going on? (laughs) It was a doozy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Yeah. um, uh, It's funny. It's it's such a, um, I imagine this is what, what, like what, parents feel like when someone asks them like tell me about your kids you know yeah because they're, they're just there's just so much I, I i never even know where to where to start with this um but um uh, i uh, grew up in um clovis california which is um a very very conservative place and um it was a very very rough place to grow up um as 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 a gay kid um not only was was being gay um just not accepted it was also downright dangerous where you know kids would get beat up on their way to schools um i knew i knew a kid that got stabbed in a bathroom once um wow. so you you didn't even like you didn't you didn't come out like 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 coming out was 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 just too too big of a, a liability for your personal safety wow um so going from that environment to becoming uh arguably the most famous gay teenager overnight um yeah was um was quite an experience um and it was it was really scary it, it, it you know i you know the i i don't think any uh uh death threat or or um you know security risk or you know all, all those things i i don't know how um that could not be uh scary for um for an 18 yeah. year old um but um, it was it, it was equally wonderful and traumatic because um, uh, there were so many wonderful things that happened too. You know, I, I would get the letters from from kids all around the world saying, "Oh my gosh, I've never seen someone like me on TV." And um, and uh, uh, yeah, and, and and that I think that I mean that was that was the best part of the, the whole experience was was the, being able to connect to kids um, uh, that that had never had something to uh, uh, resonate with before. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think we're learning. We're continually learning how important and how powerful um, seeing ourselves represented in our media is. And for so long, so many communities have not been represented. Mm -hmm. And I have to imagine there is uh, a huge amount of pressure being one of the early examples. And I also 
um, want to ask, were you out as a human being at the same time that you were playing a queer character on television? No, I was not. No, mm. I, um, uh, this, this, this is a fun fact. I actually, um, uh, came out on the Chelsea Handler show, um, <laughs> before I'd even told my parents, um, mm. Because at because I, I was about, I think I was like 18 and a half at the time. It, in my 18-year-old logic, I thought, well, if I say it once publicly, I'll never have to do it again. Yeah. And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that was also really that was a tough, that was a tough part of it was um because I was I was so young and I was still trying to figure figure out who I was myself while you know yeah. playing um by, by playing Kurt on 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 TV and um, a lot of people, I think, especially in the um, especially in the media, they really wanted me to, they they really wanted me to talk about it. And they really wanted me to to really um, uh, represent more than I was ready to. Yeah. Um, and, and my attitude was kind of, you know, you know, I really, I, I'd rather be on a boat first before I call myself a sailor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and so a lot of people, a lot of people had had issue with that. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was a crazy, it was a really crazy time. Well, I mean. You know, it was like a little over 10 years ago now. You know, I'm doing the math in my head. Yeah, that's 12 years um, <laughs> from when Glee um, premiered. But it was a different world back then, you know. And I think younger LGBTQ plus people in the community need to remember that uh, 10 years can make a huge difference. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um there were so, I mean, there were so few uh, examples of queer people being represented on television, and very rarely were the actors who portrayed those characters out themselves. Mm -hmm. Because even playing, you know, I think another great example is Will and Grace was one of our first television shows mm -hmm. um, with uh, queer characters as the focal point, and. Even those actors, you know, one of them has since come out, but that was years, years later, like after the show had even finished, because it was a career ender back then. And as you said, it was a liability. It was a safety issue. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And um, nowadays, you know, we we have such a wide breadth of representation. Certainly there's a long way still to go. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a there's a certain amount of safety that didn't exist back then. Absolutely. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that, um, you know, it came with its hardships. But I think, as you said, you know, for for young people seeing themselves represented on TV, you know, you really were a crusader to have done that. You know, oh, well, thank you. Be, oh, thank you. That that means a lot to me. Thank you. Oh, well, um, I'm glad. <laughs> oh, shucks. I'm blushing. Now, as we all know, Glee is a TV show that involves a lot of singing. Um, I apologize you... about that. <laughs> no, I'm so jealous of the songs you got to sing on oh, television. I got, um, I got to sing some, some good ones. Thank you. You got to sing I'm the Greatest Star from Funny Girl. Um, and, and you sang um, As If We Never Said Goodbye mm -hmm. from um, Sunset, Sunset Boulevard. Boulevard. You sang some of the best showstoppers. 
Um, and, you know, that was, uh, you were singing songs written for, for female characters, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I portray female characters from time to time. So <laughs> I'm extremely jealous. What? Uh, <laughs> what was your relationship to singing before Glee? And what is your relationship to singing now? Well, singing um, was something I never wanted to do. Um, uh, my grandmother forced it upon me when I was when I was young. I had a, an older cousin who used to sing because um, my grandparents were reverends. My, my older cousin used to sing um, at, at their church every Sunday. Um, and then she moved away. And in a very um, Mama Rose fashion, like she, my grandmother turned to me and was like, you're next. Like, y'all be great. You know, y'all be well. And so um, I, I was just kind of forced to take over that role. And then um, I did school plays and, and theater in high school and community theater. So uh, the skills my grandmother taught me came in handy. Um, and then um, and then I went straight from community theater and high school shows to to Glee. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and, and I had always, always um, enjoyed singing the songs that were you know traditionally written for women just because my voice was 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 so high pitched. Um and um, uh, I, there are a lot of times I wasn't allowed to sing those songs, like at school talent shows and stuff, because, um, you know, <clears throat> homophobic. Um, <laughs> and uh, 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 so my grandmother would always let me sing um, uh, whatever song I wanted at church. And then she'd write a whole sermon around it. So I would sing like, you know, uh, Defying Gravity. And she would write a <laughs> sermon about how we all need to defy gravity. And we all need to let, you know, let the spirit raise us up. And, you know. Because um, aren't we all alphaba inside? <laughs> we all, oh, we all, we all are. Yeah. I don't know. I think I don't know. Sometimes I worry I'm more of a of a Galinda. Um, uh, <laughs> Age old question for Gaiman: Are you an Elphaba or are you a Galinda? <laughs> um, do you still sing? Do you um, do you keep up with it? Uh, in the shower and you know in in the car. Um, I um, I just sang. Uh, my old community theater is doing like a big fundraiser, so I I, I recorded myself singing um, a song for them to show at like a virtual fundraiser thing. Um, and, oh, I also, I, I, I'm a voice on a, on a Netflix uh, cartoon. I sing, I sing a lot on that. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the struggles of young, um, male perceived tenors, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> where do we, where's the songs we're supposed to sing? You know, if we, if we, right. if we're not allowed to do a little cross gender singing, then what do you expect What's the point? from us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now all throughout your acting career, did you, um, did you secretly yearn to be a writer with, did you, did you leap towards writing at your first chance? Was this something you stumbled into or is it something you always kind of planned for yourself? I, um, when I was young, I uh, started writing and acting around around the same time because as a, a little kid, I thought they were the same thing. Because uh, to me, they were just both different uh, different ways to play pretend, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So I I've been writing for as as long as I can I can remember. Um, and uh, one of my favorite places in the entire world growing up was the the children's section of a bookstore. Um, and I, it just, something just felt so magical about walking in, into that, you know, that aisle with all these stories and these colorful pictures. And I just, I knew I wanted to, um, be a part of and contribute to that world in, in some way. So, uh, I started writing very young. I, um, uh, my land of story series, I started writing when I was about seven. Um, and, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, 
I was I was an eccentric child. Um, I really needed to be medicated. Um, that wasn't that was not a, a thing back then. Um, uh, and um, uh, uh, I would write a chapter, which would be about you know two handwritten pages. And I would ride my bike to my grandmother's house, who lived you know down down the street, and she would edit it. She would edit my my chapter for me, and. If she liked it, she'd she'd keep it in a stack on her table. But if she didn't like it, she'd crumble it in front of me, oh. throw it away, and say, "Christopher, you can do better." <laughs> yeah, that tough love from grandma. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you, you know, it's funny because because it was actually one of the most encouraging things too, because it got me ready for oh, absolutely for the real world. But she to this day, she's the toughest editor I've ever had to work with. <laughs> I had a very close relationship to my grandmother, too, and I don't think she ever really gave me the tough love. She was full support all the time, Mm, you know, (laughs) in my grandmother's eyes. I could. Oh, no. You know, she was fairly critical of my hair um, Uh. as a drag performer um, Uh. (laughs) because I actually started doing drag by hiding all my drag at my grandmother's house Mm And um, I would get into full drag at grandma's house and bike down to the all ages um, queer dance club in Portland, Ooh. Oregon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Nana always got um, last looks before I left the house. And oh, typically, um, typically the wig. She had some issue with the wig, but it yeah. was I, I was always like, it's too late. This is the wig I wear. Oh, my God. What I would the money I would pay to 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 see a young jinx on 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 her bicycle, uh, just moving through 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 Portland on her way to <laughs> to uh, uh, was it drag prom. What was it? What was it? What did you say it was? Oh, uh, so Portland's amazing. I mean, you were talking about growing up in um what bumfuck California? I can't remember. What yes, that, but that was, that was correct. That bumfuck. Was it. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> you should. Um. You should see our mascots. <laughs> Portland was a really blessed experience. Now, that is to say, I still experienced homophobia. I still experienced bullying at school. I had, you know, some nasty. Um, voicemails left on our home telephone, but Aww. ultimately, um, uh, you know, I had a queer dance club that was open every weekend, and that's where I cut my teeth as a drag queen. Um, I had a, a queer uh, rec center that I hung out at as a teenager. So I, I had one of the most blessed experiences I think a, a young gay kid could have you know (laughs) yeah that sounds magical it and 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 what i love is that now i think you know the younger generation is is growing up closer to what i had in portland like it's kind of you know there are a lot a a lot more safe spaces to be to be queer and young these days than there than there used to be (laughs) that was definitely the same experience for me with my community theater we 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 didn't have like we didn't have like a a lgbt ball or anything because it probably would have been burned to the ground but um uh uh that was you know community theater was like that was like the safe haven for for like all the all the the town weirdos like me um and uh we definitely formed a formed a family there yeah i Community theater, um, theater in general is very special, but community theater, I think, has a very... Um, Nothing like it. It's a very unique community. It is. It's so... <laughs> I blush when I when I think about, like, like all the all the shows we would do that were, that were just so culturally inappropriate now, like, oh. you know, Miss Saigon and not one single uh, 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 person of color in the, you know, you know, uh, uh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. 
I do a show called Jinx Sings Everything, um, where the audience requests every song that I sing. And I have um, a pianist, um, Joshua Cartis in New York, who is able to just like pick up a song and start playing it, you know, or he already knows it by heart and just does it in my key. But I always <laughs> say um, this is called Jinx Sings Everything. But there are things I will not sing. <laughs> you know? Do not be requesting flower drum song here. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no Miss Saigon. Yeah, yeah. Um, the no, King and no I is iffy. From the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I. Uh, do you have a favorite role that you played in community theater? Oh my gosh. Um, well, um, I I was a Ralphie in a Christmas story. Um, <laughs> and um, people still talk about that performance. Um <laughs> Uh, I was I was Kurt in The Sound of Music, and that was a lot of fun. Um, so Kurt, ha- the name Kurt has just been following you around for a while. It, it, yeah, it, it has. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, yeah, it, it, I, I should name a dog or a child it because, uh, yeah. Um, but I, actually, I think the most fun that I had um, in community theater, I used to be one of the uh, the spotlight operators. Mm-hmm. So I used to like I used to you know just you, you know follow people with 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 the spotlight during during the show and um, that was always a blast because um, I would, I would always be like the youngest kid in um, oh yeah in the crew and and um, uh, yeah yeah I did I I literally every little boy you can imagine in in in, in a musical I I was it <laughs> I um, didn't start playing little boys until I was an adult person oh wow um, and then then somehow all of my work for like a year I was just playing street urchins and little angry children and stuff but oh my god wow my psychologist f- would have a field day with that <laughs> my first role outside of high school i played columbia in the rocky horror show as oh. um it was the um farewell performance of a queer um theater here in portland called triangle theater and i was the youngest person in the cast by 10 years mm-hmm. i was 17 at the time i was still in high school and i remember what uh what a shell shock it was for me when um, the actress playing Janet turned to me at one point while we were choreographing one of the numbers and said, it's all right. You can grab my boob. <laughs> the first female boob I had ever grabbed. First, yeah, first and last. Was on stage. <laughs> um, so you I mentioned you your books. fantastic Columbia, too. I, I I have to say I was pretty damn well cast. It's a it's a fun story because I actually was called in to audition for Frankenfurter, and then at the audition they basically said, um, "We loved your audition, but a seventeen year old can't play Frankenfurter. <laughs> no one will let us get away with that." Obvious reasons. <laughs> so I I you know grace graciously and gracefully turned on my heels and started sulking away, and then they said, "Can you tap dance?" And I flipped around and said, "Can I tap?" <laughs> dance and on the spot i did a little time step for him and they were like that's all we need to see you're columbia and they gave it to me on the spot and it was it was really thrilling for me i want to talk more about um land of stories um you have six installments out now correct uh, yes, uh, there are, uh, six in the, in the, there are, sorry, I have to do the math in my head. There are four, <laughs> there are 14 books in total, um, for the Land of Story series. And six of them are the, the main, um, the, the main, uh, uh, meat and potatoes of, of the series <laughs> and the rest are, um, spinoffs. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry if you can hear my 
ice clinking around oh, in my start mason early. jar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talked about um, the the children's book aisle being a magical place for you. Is that why you gravitated towards writing children's literature? Yes. And um, I, when I was growing up, my younger sister um, was very ill. Um, she had a very rare form of epilepsy where she had 50 seizures an hour. Oh, wow. um, and so reading was the only way that I, um, could escape kind of the, the, um, unfortunate situation my family was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, that eventually turned into me writing my own stories. And so it was really just a very, very, um, therapeutic, um, release for me. And I just remember so desperately wanting to have the adventures that Harry Potter had and the kids from Narnia had and Alice and Wendy and the darlings and, and all that. So that's why I, I, I definitely gravitated towards the, uh, the fantasy, uh, uh, genre. (laughs) And, um, do you have, do you have more installments on the way? Are we expecting a TV series down the line? Is there going to be movies? Yes, I, I think so. Um, uh, they, um, yes, 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 I think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely this this year, I have two books coming out this year. Um, one is my first graphic novel, which was very interesting to write. Um, and uh, it's about Goldilocks. It's called Goldilocks, Wanted Dead or Alive. Um, and so... <laughs> So it, it, it is, I, I hope people like it. I, I think, I think the kiddos are going to like it. Um, and then um, in, uh, that comes out in um, July, I believe, June or July. Um, and then it, in September, I have the third book to the Land of Stories prequel series coming out. Um, and the prequel series is called A Tale of Magic. Um, and uh, so uh, A Tale of Magic is the first one. A Tale of Witchcraft is the second one. And A Tale of Sorcery will be coming out uh, this fall. Well, I can't wait for a tale of witchcraft. Um, I oh, don't, I, th- I think you like don't it. know if you know this, but I'm a bit <laughs> of a witch myself. Um, I have to ask you a personal question. Oh yeah, are you a Disney gay? Oh, oh yes, <laughs> yes. They are a special breed they are. of of homosexual. Um, do you do you have plans of getting married at Disneyland? Will that be your honeymoon spot? Oh, sure, <laughs> plans, but reality, I don't think so. Um, um, uh, yeah, uh, actually, for for Valentine's Day this this year, this is this is my favorite gift I've ever been given. My my uh, boyfriend Will, who, who you know, of course, uh, he got me a. Um, and this will make sense to you because you know me. But so people who are listening probably, this probably won't make any sense. I'll just come across as very eccentric. But he got me a taxidermied mouse that is that is dressed up like Mickey, like with little pants and a little gloves and little shoes and his. And his <laughs> His face is painted white and he's in this, he's in this, like, he's in this position where he's waving and it, it just screams capitalism to me. And it just makes me laugh every time I see it. And it, it, it actually reminds me of me and my co-stars during Glee when we would, you know, be in similar positions, but, you know, just dead inside, uh, like, like, like the mouse. Um, so yes, long, long, long answer longer. Yes. I'm a huge Disney, Disney fan. Um, did that ha- did I tell you and Will um about I-, I feel like this happened, but I could be making it up. Um, you know, I just have so many interactions with famous people, it's hard to keep them all <laughs> uh tracked in my brain. But Oh, thank you, you for for putting me in that category. 
Oh, please, come on. Um, did you ask me once, like, what's the most interesting fan gift I ever got? And I yes. responded with, um, I got a taxidermied mouse dressed as little Edie, holding a little teeny tiny magnifying glass. Um, that's what I, that's my, like, go-to answer for that question. So I'm wondering if that wow. gave Will, Will the idea. It might have. It might have. That, <laughs> that like, is take exceptional. A, a little eating mouse. Wow. I, I'm not, I'm not like a big taxidermy person. I, I only own the one guy, but that is, that is outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that our partners have in common is they're both avid readers. Mm-hmm. It's funny cause you're a writer, but then your partner talks about how he has to lock you in a car with an audio book to get you to finish a book. <laughs> basically, basically. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. I think that's, I think there's something to be said for that because I'm, clearly a professional drag queen and then sometimes someone's like um let's watch this movie about drag and i'm like i mm-hmm. live drag i don't know that i i was yeah. so averse to watching drag race when it first came out because i had already been working as a drag queen for like six years by season one came uh, coming out mm-hmm. and i was like the last thing i need to do is watch my work on television you know right, <laughs> so right. i wonder if it's similar the last thing for i need you. to be is exposed to myself yeah yeah you <laughs> yeah. totally get it <laughs> I, um, I, I, mine is like, I, um, I, I have control issues with stories. Like mm. I want, I want to take over. Like, like sometimes yeah. I'll be in the middle of a book and I'm, and I'm like, no, don't go there. I want, I want to, I want to go. I want, I want to spend more time with that character. I want to, I want to go see that, that, that person. And that drives me nuts. I hear that. When I see a, when I see a, um, a really good idea on stage, poorly executed, I'm like, uh, well, oh, that's a fantastic so idea. I just yeah. wish it was me doing it. Cause I know how to um, make that idea come to life but right. maybe you know maybe we just think very highly of ourselves <laughs> <laughs> it's just narcissism is what it is <laughs> i want to know how your queer identity um finds itself in your work do you um do you feel like it comes up in your work often is it just kind of there in the background do you actively insert queer storylines into your work in any sort of way that's such a good question. I, I'm not sure if I if I really know the answer to that because I've I've never not had a queer identity. Yeah. Um. So. Um. But absolutely. Um. Uh. I, I can say that my uh my new series, the Tale of Magic series, it, it, every book. Um. Uh, uh. For example, in the first one, A Tale of Magic. Uh. Magic is an allegory for being gay. Um. So the entire uh journey of of the main character bristol is is was my journey as a gay man um and mm. um uh it doesn't necessarily for a reader it doesn't necessarily have to 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 be about being gay i think everyone has their own little bit of magic that's been oppressed or or suppressed at some point in their life mm-hmm. um and i think that's also really kind of magical about the way the times have changed because you don't have to be queer to uh, uh, resonate with 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 a queer story, um, and I, I remember that was such a surprise to um, to me and to all all the executives at Fox uh, uh, <laughs> when I was on Glee was that my number one demographic was young straight women because yeah. they, they didn't identify with being gay, but they identified with being different or being other, yeah. um, and um, so so yeah, I think I think I think it is very much. Uh, Doing that, like being a voice for the voiceless, uh, uh, creating stories and, and and work that hopefully inspire other people to create their own stories and their work and 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 to give people validation that that they have every right to 
to um, pursue their dreams. That you know, they're they, that they're just as worthy as any, um, you know, cisgendered normal straight person. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that's very, very much, um, very much my shtick. Yeah. That's lovely to hear. I mean, I get asked a lot, like, how does narcolepsy come up in your work? And I'm like, mm. actually, it doesn't, except for the fact that I am a person who experiences narcolepsy. So I guess it comes up in my work in everything that I do because mm. I'm just right. conscious to it, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, uh, I just did a video where I was like, in the video... I was asking myself personal questions and then I answered, well, it doesn't really come up in my work very often, but here is me asking myself the questions yeah. in my work. So I'm like, actually, it comes up in my work in everything that I do just for the fact that that's my truth and I mm -hmm. write from a place of truth. So, And by um, the way, Conscious Narcolepsy would be the best band name ever. <laughs> Thank you for finally naming my inevitable band one day. <laughs> So, um, so people can expect two more installments um, of Land of Stories, and then as well, uh, oh, the the prequel series, which sounds mm -hmm. amazing. Um, I love. I, I think I kind of prequels are amazing when they come out well into the <laughs> the storyline. <laughs> I love it when you right. you're like, oh, I've taken this story as far as I can go. So now let's go back to before this story. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's what makes it so satisfying is you get to see the seeds that are planted that leads to what you've already experienced with those stories. So. In theory, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that is that is the goal. <laughs> so um we know that you are happily partnered, but I have to ask, um, you know, do you have a celebrity crush? Do you have celebrity crushes? Oh my is, gosh, of course. If you had, if you had a free pass, um, uh, you know, this exists in many relationships, your celebrity free pass, who would yours be? Uh, Henry Cavill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I answered that one real quick. Yeah, I just, you know. You've had this conversation before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the, the accent, um, um, the fact that he literally could throw me. I don't know why that's a turn on. But, um, <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, there's something about, you know, when a person's whole hand can cover your entire face. Right. <laughs> like, like, like the alien um, uh, embryo. Yeah. <laughs> I um I think my free pass list grows longer every day. Um I if I narrowed it down to my top three, it would probably be be Andy Samberg, Pete oh. Davidson, and mm. Rupert Grint. That is that is that is a type. <laughs> yeah. That is like I, I that is I, I feel like they're kind of all in the same funny uh, uh, category. I say this, but of course, you know, I'm such a slut, you know. It really it doesn't take it doesn't take much butter to get me into the frying pan, as they say. <laughs> you see, I uh, I'm the opposite. I'm I'm kind of a nun in that regard. I I need I need romance. I need I need. Well, you're a Disney gay. <laughs> I'm a Disney gay. Oh, I never put I never put those two together. I'm sure I, that's there is um, why I say it's a specific breed is because I all all my Disney gay friends are also kind of my most wholesome friends you know mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. still entirely gay as the day is long but there's a wholesomeness when you when disney uh, plays a certain part in your life i feel like there's an inherent wholesomeness that i um personally have never experienced <laughs> there there is like a thin line between disney gays and a youth group yeah. um <laughs> disney so, the so mormons of the lgbtq exactly. plus community exactly um 
Yeah, it was just so funny because I, I think I, um, I also, I, I think I, I project that too. Um, and really inside I'm, I'm, I'm just a miserable old, old lady, you know? Um, so, um, uh, it's interesting that I, that I give off that vibe. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, just enough of a vibe. It's probably because, you know, um, I think it's, it's, it's good for you as someone who, <laughs> it's good for you as someone who um, writes children literature. That's true. You know, that is true. We, yes. we don't necessarily need to know your bedroom kinks or anything like no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm um, very tight lip about that. <laughs> I want to know. Are you spiritual? Is there is there a, a spirituality? Is there a spiritual alignment that gets you through your day? Uh, absolutely. I, I would. I mean, I think like most people, I, it kind of comes and goes. You know, mm-hmm. depending on you know, um, on, you know, on a, a variety of things. Um, uh, I was raised. This is this is. If, if you are interested in me telling you this story, <laughs> I, I, I was raised evangelical mm. um, um, from nine to ten a.m. on Sundays. <laughs> and then my grandmother, uh, they, my grandparents were reverends at kind of a new age, um, mm. uh, uh, like kind of like the law of attraction and reincarnation and, mm. you know, the universal law of one, that kind of stuff. So I would, my grandmother would pick me up from Sunday school and then, then from 11 to 12, I would, I would be that. Um, uh, cause I was also the entertainment every Sunday uh, yeah. singing. So um, yeah, so I, I'd say spirituality is a big part of my life and I, I, I've had some, some strange, um, experiences, uh, with, with, um, ghosts or, you know, spirits and, and that whatnot. was going to be my next question. Yeah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And one of my, one of my best friends is, um, is a psychic. So I, 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 uh, experience a lot, a lot of stuff through her. I got, got into an argument with my deceased mother once through her. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I, I feel like I'm very pragmatic, but I also believe in ghosts. I feel like believing in ghosts is 50% a choice and 50%, you know, you find ways um, that it fits into your life. I like to think of it scientifically. You know, I always think of the law of relativity as Mm -hmm. my explanation for ghosts. Like that energy has to go somewhere. Why not ghosts? (laughs) Right, right. Well, science is finally discovering what magic has been telling us all along. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> For my final question, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh my gosh. Um, it changes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'd say right now it's, um, um, it's make you feel my love by Adele. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it's also, I, it's also actually a fairly easy song to sing. So that's <laughs> nice. I, I have a big fear of karaoke because a lot of my friends are, are like Amber Riley and Kevin McHale and, um, you, you know, they're, they, they turn karaoke into concerts because they're, they're just so good. And then it's like, you know, I, I get up and do Melissa Etheridge as a joke. It's, you know, it turns into an embarrassing situation. I am, I, I have to say, I, I don't have many people who want to go to karaoke with me because I You're do. You're so good at it. I treat it like a concert, but I mm. also like, oh God, I make myself upset just like thinking about it. But I do the thing where I go up where it's like, oh no, I don't know that I'm going to be <laughs> Don't that make me good. sing. Don't make me <laughs> sing. And then I'm belting out creep at the top of my lungs. And then when the, and it's like my phone say. I'm off the deep end. <laughs> 
<laughs> my friends are like, don't you get enough of this already? And I'm like, yeah, but not karaoke crowds. Karaoke crowds, you know, you, you got to work hard to impress those people because they're all you know, stars in their own minds. You know, they're mm, all, yeah. um, we're all the star of our own movie. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have such an amazing voice, too. I, I would love to see you at karaoke. Uh, it's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. And I'm definitely <laughs> one of those karaoke people who like bribes the KJ to to, to put me in the lineup sooner. I'm like, here's my submission and here's a 20 for you if I yeah. get to sing in the next five minutes. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I have bribed I have bribed those people to stop letting other people sing. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this interview. Do you um, do you have social media handles you'd like to plug? Where can our listeners go find you and, oh, yes. and find out uh, everything about your book series coming out? My social media love handles are um, <laughs> at Chris Colfer um, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would kill myself if I didn't. No, that's dramatic jinx i um, would be so mad at myself if i didn't acknowledge that you worked side by side with one of my personal heroes jennifer saunders in the absolutely fabulous movie yes um check this out (laughs) oh there she is that's fantastic is that an oil painting it's an a friend had that commission for me for my my 30th birthday that's Um, amazing yeah i was raised on abfab myself and Mm -hmm. obviously um it shaped a lot of the work that i do the last name monsoon comes from absolutely fabulous so um what are you going to tell jennifer saunders the next time you see her uh, about me avoid 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 (laughs) (laughs) run for the hills jen run Well, thank you so much, Chris, for being the best. <laughs> um, she would love you. This she, will come she, out she and never. Joe are the best. They, 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 they would. They would absolutely love you. Oh well, thank you so much. It was a delight to talk to you. Um, I can't wait for the next time that we get to hang out in person and hug each other. And hopefully by then I will have free clearance to just lick your face and we won't have to be anxious about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, and second thought. Um... <laughs> I think that's my plan for post-pandemic. I'm just going to find find a way to lick people's faces, you know, just because I can, just because I can once more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? Got, when in Rome, I guess. Uh, yeah, when, when out of pandemic, sure. We'll just spit a we'll spit a ping pong ball back and forth between our mouths, and that'll be our new activity. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for everything you've done as a queer advocate, and on behalf of all the young queer teens um, who looked up it to you, I'm very grateful that you gave me your time, and I, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Oh, thank you so much. I just adore you. I'm so I'm so honored you asked. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. And thank you all for listening to High Jinx. Um, we'll have a new episode for you next week. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have a new episode every Wednesday. So make sure to search for High Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at The Jinx. That's J-I-N-K-X. I paid extra for the K, so you have to use it. K is very expensive. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more High Jinx. Get it? Do you get it? Forever. Dog. To listen to 
hijinks, ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hijinks five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hijinks is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.